0: Hello, everyone. I hope you're well and having a good week. Today, I would like to welcome you to the Fraser Nash webinar. Fraser Nash is a leading engineering and technology consultancy who works across the defence, transport and energy sectors, to name a few. With customers ranging from government, nuclear power stations, the MOD, the NHS, as well as civil aviation and rail companies. So in essence, what do they do? They help companies solve their problems. A little later on, Ian, the recruitment business partner, is going to give us a little bit more information about the future of Fraser Nash and what that looks like, and what makes them different to other consultancies. I'm also really excited to be joined by three grads, Philippa, an ex grad, you know, been there six years, six years now, um, but really excited to be joined by the grads who found their jobs on GradCracker and who also have really different stories to tell. So I'm going to start with Zach, Um, so Zach's history, he actually did two summer placements in 2018 and 19 at Fraser Nash, Uh, started as a graduate in 2020, September, so been there roughly roughly a month, Um, and Zach studied electronic and electrical engineering at the University of Strathclyde. So thanks Zach for joining us today. Um, Could you just let the audience know what your role is at Fraser Nash and, and kind of what you do?
1: Thanks for that Carla. So um I'm an engineer. So I've just graduated. I'm in the electrical control and instrumentation group in the Glasgow office at Fraser Nash Consultancy.
0: Fantastic. And I've, on, sorry.
1: <laughs> and I've I've just started, as yeah. I said. So I'll just tell you all about my kind of internship experiences if if you like.
0: Yeah, if you could, you're getting a bit excited. Zach, a bit so, <laughs> Jess is going to go on, on a little bit later on and ask you that question. But yeah, absolutely. So um, Zach's got a really good story to tell from why um, Fraser Nash interested him in the first place, why he went on his first placement, and then why he went back as well. So yeah, really good information and really good history as well, Zach. So we'll touch on that a little bit later on um, when we've done the other introductions. But thank you for the, for the introduction so <laughs> far. Um, Philippa, if I can can move on to you. So Philippa's actually been at Fraser Nash for six years and studied at Durham University um, and studied general engineering before specialising in mechanical engineering. So Philippa, I know you've had a bit more of a story to tell, but what is your current role at Fraser
2: Nash? I'm currently a consultant in the programme and management consultancy team. So I specialise in project managing all of our biggest projects for our customers.
0: Yeah, thank you, Philippa. And I think as well, Jess later on is going to go into the projects and um, that all of the all of the grads and, have been involved in. And um, they've got some really, really fascinating projects that they've been working on. Can't always give names. You know, you'll get, all the listeners will be used to this now about these webinars. Some of the, the names and the employers are top secret. Um, but any information that we can give you, obviously, we'll, we'll do some digging and then Jess will do some probing a little bit later on. And um, last but not least, Dylan, if I can um, finish with you. So Dylan studied aerospace and engineering at Bristol University with an integrated master's. So Dylan, I know you've only been at Fraser National you know, for a month or so. Um, but w- w- what are you doing at the moment? What is your role?
3: Thanks, Carla. Um, so I'm an engineer at Fraser Nash as well in the modelling group. Um, so my role uh, involves a lot of programming and mathematical modelling. And um, I've only just started, so I'm only really settling into it. And um, it looks like I can develop it quite a bit.
0: Fantastic. Thank you, Dylan. And I think as well, we're going to touch on today, um, you know, Dylan's just said, I've just started, you know, working from home in this quite strange environment that we're all finding ourselves in. So we are going to talk about how um, Dylan's coping with the new environment and how Fraser Nash, you know, welcomed um, him into the, the company and into um, a new opportunity as well. So thanks, Dylan, and we'll speak to you a bit later.
3: Thanks very
0: much. Um, Ian, hello. You OK?
4: Hi. Yes, not too bad. Thank you.
0: But Ian, so we're going to. Um, I've detailed a little bit about Fraser Nash's. So the traditional view of who everybody knows you are. You are, and um, I know you're branching out into into new um, areas. So could you tell the audience a little bit about these new areas and why you've decided to go into these different sectors?
4: Yeah, no problem. So Fraser Nash uh, have always kind of evolved to meet our clients' needs. Um, You look right back into when Fraser Nash started, we had Archie Fraser Nash produced racing cars in the 1920s. Um, He then moved on to um, doing aircraft defense systems in the second world war, because that was what was needed. Um, We're a very different company today. We've set up as a new entity, almost as Fraser Nash consultancy, which is 30 years old. So we're still recognizing that the challenges our clients are facing are evolving and uh, as they do we continue to evolve to support them Um recently we've kind of grown into some of the new areas so we're looking at kind of a lot more in the digital space so cyber software and information assurance also robotics drones autonomous systems and uh, very recently we've got a lot more involved in space systems as well mm-hmm
0: yeah and i think i think there's something that's really interested me and it was philippa you pointed this out um before before um the the webinar if you were to work at Fraser Nash, you know, you, you're working alongside some of the biggest companies in the world. So I think it was you, Philippa, who mentioned, yes, so you're employed by Fraser Nash, but you're also working with the likes of BP, Jaguar Land Rover. And that's something that I think is really interesting from, from our viewers' point of view. Um, you're, not just, you're not just staying in one industry, you know, you've got different sectors, different industries, different projects that you're going to be working on as well, And um, which I'm guessing that a lot of our viewers will, will find quite interesting. Um, so Ian, just to kind of cover off the Point that you made there, so you're going into these new sectors, these new areas. Obviously, to our viewers, people who are watching, Fraser Nash would traditionally you know, recruit en- engineers, you know, engineering backgrounds, but now because of these new areas, your digital areas, your information assurance, robotics, etc., they are, are recruiting all STEM disciplines. So definitely make sure you're doing your research, go on the Bradcracker Hub. We've opened up there the Fraser Nash opportunities. And um, we've opened another one up. I just saw your email coming in Ian, before this, but we've opened up yeah. another opportunity as well. So that's going to go live on the site. And um, so make sure you, you, you know all STEM students can apply to their opportunities. Ian, just to stay with you, so in, in your opinion, what do you think um, makes your opportunities different to other consultancies?
4: Um, if you're coming in as a graduate, uh, you come in as an engineer at Fraser Nash, uh, one of the main things that uh, you generally hear from the engineers that's different from other opportunities and other consultancies is that you're kind of um, engaged and trusted on real-life projects um, from li- for real-life customers from day one. So uh, whether you're coming in as a kind of summer student, year in industry, or a graduate, uh, you're working alongside technical experts who have kind of been there and done it, um, and you've got access to their knowledge and mentorship, really, um, for that project and beyond. You kind of build the relationship with the people in the business, and uh, they're there to support you. Um, Also, as I I think Zach will probably touch on later, we also kind of look at looking after the people that come in for their successful placements. Um, If they do that, then we look to use that to fast track them uh, through to the graduate scheme as well. Um, I think as well, just kind of a final point on that question is that as a consultancy, we've been around for kind of 30 years now. We started off with around 15 staff then and we're now nearly 900 but you'll still find that we haven't lost a lot of the aspects from smaller consultancies you still have the business unit directors or the managing director stop by your desk have a chat they know what's going on everywhere they're kind of very familiar with the staff and happy to talk to anyone so I think that kind of We launched a big campaign around our values recently, and I think one of the main things at Fraser Nash is that we all do try and live those values, and that's kind of we care, we're trusted, we deliver success, and we want to do things that matter, and that reflects throughout the company.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think that would be something that some of our viewers might be a little bit intimidated by, you know, think thinking Fraser Nash Consultancy, you know, it's a, it's a big employer. But I do think it's important that it's a big employer, but it's that it's kind of a bit of a family unit, isn't it? So people do know your names, you can go and ask, you know, your colleagues, your managers and things like that, if, if you do have any questions. And um, so hopefully everybody out there who's listening might think, oh, I'd be, I'd be quite scared to go into a big organisation. It is a big organisation, but it's got a, a small family. Family feel um, so thanks Ian I know we're going to go back to you and um, at the end when we're going to cover off things like the application process and things like that so watch this space Ian we'll be back in touch with you and um, just to reiterate again to everybody's watching and um, like I said on the last webinar, the opportunities are closing quickly. Fraser Nash is closing um, at the end of December, but make sure you get your applications in. Don't wait until the last minute. You know, Ian could email me on Monday and say, look, Carla, I've been inundated applications, can you close them all down? And um, so, you know, make sure you get your applications in and don't leave it till the last minute do your research and um, so Ian and I work really hard um, on the Fraser Nash hub on Gradcracker it's got lots of information on there and um, on how you can put a good quality application together so their hub consists of things like the benefits and um, an overview of the placement and graduates and what a career could look like at Fraser Nash. Philippa actually stars in a video on there and um, so you can go and watch two minute video about Philippa walking around um the office and Philippa also explains in more detail about her favourite project um, and her journey so far but don't go there yet because you're going to hear it straight from the horse's mouth in about five minutes Um, so thank you very
5: much everybody great introductions and Jessica love, I'm going to hand over to you. Brilliant thank you Carla and so Zach I'm going to start with you um, and I'm going to ask you all the same questions so Zach, Philippette, then Dylan so what initially attracted you to Fraser Ash?
1: just as carla mentioned um it's really the wide variety of projects not getting stuck on the one technical area so you can get to work with multiple different clients on different areas also they do they work in defense nuclear energy and i've really been interested in defense work and energy work and i didn't really wasn't really sure whether i wanted to work in either sector working with fraser nash i get to, to do the lot so it's really been a weird, um, there's a there's a professional development scheme, so they constantly train you and uh, progress your career and make sure that you're learning all of the technical skills that you need to know. So that really attracted me. They also pay all of your IET, or well, for me it was IET, but any professional body membership schemes that you have, they'll pay for your fees and help you through uh, becoming like a chartered engineer.
6: Mm-hmm.
1: They'll give you a mentor and help you all through the application process for that and again it's really just helping our clients solve their technical problems so people will come to us and we can help them so that really attracted me to Fraser Nash.
5: Brilliant.
2: Philippa? So again Carla slightly stole my headline here but um, when I was a a student attending graduate events I attended the likes of all of the individual employers. But then I went to the Fraser Nash uh, graduate events and realized that I could work with all of them by working with Fraser Nash. I could do the variety of work in all of those sectors and have to choose one. Um, sort of similar to the fact that I chose general in the first place and then I did then specialise in mechanical but kept my options open basically. Um, but it's also really unique in the, the variety of work that you actually get to do even within the same sector, so from campaigning and going out and finding the business in the first place, meeting customers for the first time, having that first conversation with them, finding out what their problem is, to then writing down, developing what you think a solution could be, how how we could go about solving it, and then should the customer be keen to go with that, actually undertaking that project work, doing that project delivery, doing the technical analysis, and delivering it to solve that problem that the customer had when you first met them a few months ago um doing so that not only you're working a variety of sectors you're also doing a variety of activities within those sectors as well um which is yeah just the variety the, keeping your day job interesting and not the same every day is so important um and then yeah just to reiterate the family feel as well um I always feel like whilst we've grown and we're obviously not 15 people anymore you're still only sort of two phone calls away from finding your answer so you always know who you can ask that will know the person that you need to speak to um so yeah it is still um a a friendly network everyone's really helpful um, and will always give up their time to help you out with something you need or point you in the right direction.
5: Philippa, thank you very much for that. Um, Dylan, you're a bit like Zach as well, you found the opportunity on Gradcracker, didn't you?
3: Yeah, that's correct. Uh, Gradcracker is where I first met, um, well, first found out about Fraser Nash. Uh, Yeah, and I guess I was attracted to it for similar reasons that uh, Zach and Philippa both were. Uh, The consultancy sector is um, a place where, you know, you can do interesting technical work and then you can also get those business development skills um, and that variety of workload kind of appealed to me because I don't want to be stuck just in my corner doing maths, but then I also don't want to be stuck just doing the business side of things as well, I like the opportunity to do both.
6: Yeah.
3: Um, there was mention of some of the business sectors that we're kind of expanding into as well. Um, one of the business areas that I'm really interested in is space, and so our sort of movement into um, that area, kind of picking up more projects over there or trying to, Um, really kind of stood out to me as something that I really wanted to be involved in.
5: That's really exciting. I know before when we spoke and Dylan, you've mentioned about the the mentorship scheme and how important that was to you as well, wasn't it?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So as Zach said, we have a proper professional development scheme, uh, paid for membership for your um, institution, uh, a mentor provided and kind of a general sort of guided uh, strategy for your development into eventual chartership. Um, and uh, yeah, that's something that really sort of spoke to me reading the um, advert, because as much as companies can say that they're interested in your development, the things that they do to demonstrate that are more important. And having that sort of dedicated uh, professional development scheme, I think speaks a lot to what Fraser Ash is willing to invest into you.
5: And so far, would you say that they've, you know, matched what they've promised in the, in the in the hub?
3: Um, I have only been here a month so it's been a bit um, kind of all over the place but in terms of what they've shown me so far I'd definitely say so yeah.
5: Brilliant good stuff. Um, Zach I'm going to come to you because I know you're super keen to talk about your placement experiences and um, yep. so you've done two summer placements um, with Frozen Ash and um, we know what attracted you to the, the the kind of first placement but why did you why did you go back after doing the first one?
1: So a, a big part was that in my first summer placement, I got to go to a nuclear power station. And ever since I was I'd first learned about nuclear power, since I was a young boy, I've been really interested in it. So the fact that I got to go and stand uh, metres away from a nuclear reactor and get, go on top of it and see all of the massive machinery and see it all uh, in first person really just kind of made the deal. I wanted to go back with Fraser Nash mm-hmm. not only just that because obviously you're not always working in nuclear power jobs as yeah. I was talking about the variety of work uh, the just the people in the the office the, the, the Glasgow office and the whole company in general was really friendly and helpful and uh, my line manager uh, in particular he was a really nice guy so approachable and I could I could ask him anything and it was just so nice and it he really made me want to go back it was a nice environment to work in.
5: Brilliant, yeah. Um, so in terms of you kind of going back then, what was um, kind of the process like from finishing your placement to applying again for the graduate program? Was you fast-tracked at all? How did that process go? So what did you do basically to kind of get onto the graduate program after doing your placement?
1: So at the end of both of your placements you have sort of a review, sort of like an appraisal with your line manager. He says, what, what you've been working on if you've achieved the kind of goals that you set at the start of the placement and at the end of my second placement he was pretty happy with the work that I had done he mm-hmm. knew that I was competent in my job because he said your summer internships are basically like a six-month interview so yeah. they're, they're getting to know you you're getting to know the company and at the end of my second placement I was asked if I would be interested in joining the graduate scheme
6: mm-hmm.
1: which of course I agreed because I was happy with the company uh, yeah. it was a competitive salary two and a half grand starting bonus it was a no-brainer really yeah, so yeah. yes i want to join the graduate scheme um, and then november last year i got an email inviting me for an interview the next month went for an interview i had to do a 20-minute presentation explaining what i'd done in my summer internships and how what i'd learned and what was most challenging what i enjoyed the most Mm-hmm. followed by like 20 minutes of kind of questions from uh, my line manager and his manager kind of asking me some sort of situational awareness questions, what I would do in a certain situation, uh, if I had any conflict, how I would resolve a conflict, stuff like that. Yeah. And then a month later, I was offered a conditional offer. Uh, as long as I got a minimum 2-1 grade, then I, I had the grad- graduate job. Brilliant. And that was that was it. It was so easy. So
5: that was really, you were fast-tracked then, so that wouldn't be the normal route of a graduate that hasn't had work experience with First and Ash?
1: No, I'm pretty sure that there would be at least one more interview stage and yeah. a more in-depth application process because mm-hmm. I did have to fill out an application form, but it was like one one or two pages. It wasn't wasn't much because my manager already obviously knew what I'd done yeah. and what it was like.
5: Zach, going off piece slightly because I feel as though this week I've done so many presentations, speaking to so many different students about the importance of placements, the importance of you know looking for a graduate job and when you should do it, and um, you know speaking to so many second year students that are thinking about now going to do a summer or a year in industry placement, and I, you know I say to them all the benefits of doing it, but it just sounds so much better when you say it because obviously you've done it, but you know, I always say as well as a massive benefit for you as an individual, you know, when you come back after doing a placement, how did you find that final year at uni? Did, you, did it feel different? Did it feel as though like your degree, everything had all kind of clicked into place and you think, I'm more confident now?
1: Definitely. Even just the stuff, <clears throat> sorry, that I was doing in my second summer placement, I went in and chose specific course, uh, classes at my degree. That kind of aligned with the stuff, the work that I was doing at Fraser Nash. So, mm-hmm. at that, up until that point, I didn't really know if I wanted to go into like high voltage engineering or really low voltage designing circuit boards or stuff like that. But my placement at Fraser Nash really kind of solidified my idea and I, I really knew what I, that I wanted to go into modeling yeah. high voltage systems. Um, and again, due to the fast track process, it made my, my last year a lot easier as well. Mm. Um, because I wasn't just applying to lots and lots of graduate jobs because even people that I know people my peers in the course and stuff like that they would spend hours and hours and hours uh, doing applications and it really took a lot of their time away from their degree Mm. Um. so it really saved me a lot of time as well and I got I produced more interest in work and better work in my fifth year than I, d- than I would have if I didn't get the, the first track, basically.
5: Perfect. Thank you. I'm so glad you said that because I been feel like I've been saying that all week. <laughs> and it's so nice to hear it from someone like yourself that's gone through the experience. And um, so, Dylan, I'm sorry. Hi, Dylan. Um, can I go to you next with um, the same question as I've asked uh, Philippa and Zach, what initially attracted you to Fresnash?
3: Sure um i believe Colin might have already asked me this one but um i'll go again so yeah it was just kind of um done this one Jess. <laughs> yeah
6: Hi.
0: we're going on to placements philippa oh my gosh i have i'm like getting
5: coffee
6: <laughs> i was a bit confused
5: <laughs> i'm thinking i've gone off track so i'm thinking about totally different stuff so sorry guys <laughs>
0: Philippa was getting ready then. She was like sitting up proper. She's like, it's my
5: turn now. I'm sorry. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> I'm having a bit of a bit of a moment then. I was too excited about what Zach has said. Um, so yes, yeah, sorry. Sorry, Dylan. Bless your heart. Having a bit of a, a moment then. Um so sorry, Philippa. So same with placements. Let's go back to placements where I was a minute ago. Um, you did a placement with ABB, that's right, wasn't it? And who, by the way, just shout out to ABB, who also advertise on Cracker. We did a webinar with them a couple of weeks ago, so have a look at their webinar too. Um, what experience did you gain at ABB, and how would you, how did you find them kind of beneficial to the role that you're in now?
2: Thanks. So ABB overall is sort of a robotics automation um, company, but they have a small consultancy wing, which is where I did my summer, two summer internships, Um, and it was just absolutely invaluable for me deciding that consultancy was what I wanted to do, that I enjoyed solving problems for customers, the stuff that they are really struggling with, that they can't work out how to do themselves, and they come to consultants to help them with it. Um, It was a taster of working in the real world as well, which just going to an office and how to conduct yourself in an office environment is Mm. something you understandably haven't done before before you get to an internship yeah okay you might have done a week of work experience but it's it's not the same um Mm. so just learning those basics um but then also discovering the variety of roles that there are in engineering um and it just completely solidified my decision to pursue a career in engineering consultancy I looked further afield um to a company that this was actually quite a few years ago, so that mm. Fraser Nash had a more established graduate intake um than that that little consultancy bit of ABB. Um, but then it also sort of gave me in my final year a purpose to why I was doing my degree, why why it was worth completing it, why it was worth getting the two one or higher. Yeah. Um, because I had a something I was sure I wanted to do at the end of it as well mm.
5: that's great and again that's second in the advice that you know a lot of people uh, you know say that get these experiences it, everything just kind of clicks into place and you know why and and uh, also it's beneficial thinking I you know what I want to do I know what my next step is it makes it all a bit easier doesn't it and yeah. um, sorry Dylan back to you now <laughs> I'm not going crazy I promise so you had a similar story to Philippa um you did two placements um again with another advertiser on grad dstl what again what kind of ex- benefits did you get i guess a lot of, a lot of the kind of benefits have already been said but is there anything that you could kind of second or add to that
3: yeah absolutely um so my placements were um, a bit strange in that they weren't um strictly engineering placements at mm-hmm. dstr they were kind of more in a sort of general stem scientific um area and i think that was quite valuable for me because um, it sort of was exposure to things that I could do with my degree that aren't necessarily talked about at my degree. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the aerospace masters at Bristol can sometimes be quite, you learn how to build a civil aircraft or you learn aircraft in general. And I think it was really, really valuable for me to get that exposure to um, other parts, like other things that I could do with the skills that I had. And it really gave me a lot of confidence in applying for a lot of jobs that I wouldn't have otherwise applied for including Fraser Nash mm. um, and aside from that I think most of the other stuff has been talked about um, how to conduct yourself in an office um, those sort of networking skills to be able to kind of build networks professionally with people who might be useful further down the line uh, collaborative teamworking skills and also the idea that I wanted to do more than just technical work yeah. but yeah it was a very valuable experience and I can't recommend it enough.
5: Oh, good, good. Well, that's placements covered. Uh, so if you're listening, if you've got the chance to do a placement, make sure you do one. Um, Dylan, sticking with you. So we're in this new world in the middle of a pandemic. What's it like starting a graduate programme in the middle of a pandemic? And how has Fraser Nash, I guess, looked after you throughout this kind of first month of joining the programme?
3: I can't lie. It's bizarre. Mm, it's bet. um It's very strange and I don't think it's how many people expect to start a job but that doesn't necessarily mean it should be thought of as kind of scary or um, a negative experience um, especially as a lot of the people watching will end up starting jobs probably in similar circumstances uh, depending on how things go over the coming year of course
6: Um,
3: and there's a lot of positive things that you can take from it um, and there's not really much that you miss out on If, um, you know, if your company looks after you and if you engage with it properly, Fraser Nash has done an absolutely first class job of onboarding me, of making me feel welcome. Um, Everyone who I've talked to, everyone who I've interacted with has really kind of done the most and gone out of their way to uh, make me feel like a part of the company, despite me having, you know, no previous experience there before and really having only met one or two people in person. Um, And I think it's really impressive that they've managed that
5: that's really good because I know I think me personally if I was going through the process now I would be a bit nervous about that and you know thinking what is the process going to be like are you almost at a bit of a disadvantage because you're not meeting people face to face being able to network but by the sounds of it you can and you know you, you have had those positive experiences which is really good. Um, Philippa, um, going to you next, um, your your kind of history with Fresnas has kind of a gone in loads of different paths hasn't it you've you've kind of you've moved teams you've moved offices which was from I'm right saying Bristol to Surrey yeah and you've been on secondment and how the hell has prison helped you with all of this sounds like you've done loads so tell me a bit about that
2: <laughs> there was something that clicked in my final year when I realized that starting a job wasn't that for the rest of my life it was actually just a step the next stepping stone once yeah. I graduated, and that has definitely been what frozen ash have let me do so i joined the supportability team in the bristol office to begin with which was looking at um how equipment is maintained um both sort of designed so that it's maintainable in the first instance but then once it's in service what do you actually do if you change the purpose of the equipment etc etc so that was really interesting did change officers and um, they were fully supportive of that despite it was actually completely for personal reasons that I moved um, and I then changed teams as well so I realized that I was navigating towards doing the project management of the projects that came to our team and was really enjoying that and that um, I just thought my skills aligned with doing this so I took a sidestep into the teams that do the project management for the big um, projects for the company Um, and so that I was sort of sat in a team with um, the expertise in that area Mm -hmm. Um, and then I'm actually also currently on secondment at the moment to doing um, uh, supporting our big bids so we have to bid to win work. Um, we have to write a proposal saying, we will do this for you, it will cost this much. Um, and when we get multi-million pound projects, there's a specialist team that do the bids for those just because it's of the size of them and complexity of them. Um, yes. So I'm currently on comment with them. But yeah, Fraser and Ash have been really, really on board with me having a go at different things and yes. um, gaining some experience and, um, yeah, I've just had to say I'd like to do it and they've made it happen. Um, Yeah,
5: it's a good bit of advice there as well because I had a student actually ask me this week about uh, location and, you know, I always say you must be flexible on your location, especially when it comes to not just a graduate programme, but, you know, your experiences already, you know, it might be that a certain project might take you to a certain location it might be you know for personal reasons you want to move so being flexible and open can actually be a benefit can't it because it can lead you and direct you in in lots of different paths which is great um so in terms of kind of you know we've all touched upon the 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 different projects that you you know you kind of manage at fers and ash and these can be you know a huge variety of projects from kind of two weeks to five years long you know multi-million pound projects. Philippa starting with you what was what's kind of your favorite project you've worked on so far?
2: So a couple of years ago um, the London Underground came to Fraser Nash to say that the central line um, were really struggling and they had the sort of poorest performance of all the fleets on on the um, underground Mm -hmm. and came and said to Fraser Nash please can you help us find out why and do something about it. Right. worked on that project and over a couple of stages of it we worked out what was going wrong Um, and what we identified was that they had a really highly segmented uh, maintenance regime which meant that when the trains came into the depots at night to do bits of work on them there was lots of little bits that needed doing whereas if you could put them together and be more efficient with how you carried out what you were doing we had a highly inflexible sort of workforce that but Joe only did this a task and Tom only did this task, but actually we're taking the same panel off to do both of them separately. Right. Um, so we modelled it to work out what the problems were. We then remodelled what it could look like. to which London Underground then said, yeah, okay, that looks great. We think it will help um, go ahead and do it. Um, so then we spent uh, a few months with the maintainers themselves talking through it on a hands-on point of view. I spent time in the depots, we tried undertaking the maintenance activities in the the flow that we suggested, um, and to then take it to the point where we could put it all on the pieces of paper and say, here, implement this. It was meant to be implemented in the summer, but I think COVID has paused (laughs) it. But it should save, they calculated it should save London Underground over a million pounds a year. Um, just by changing this stuff. Um, and it was really rewarding to be able to sit round the table with my friends for dinner in London and say, Oh, the project I'm working on could improve your commute. The yeah. trains <laughs> train will turn up on time. <laughs> and then, bit the long June. <laughs>
5: That's great. then. how exciting is that, you know, again, all the different projects, you know, you know, one, one year or one week, you can be working on this and then next, you know, next week, next year, you could be working on something completely different. It's, it's exciting. It must mean you keep like on top of your game as such in terms of, you know, the knowledge that you must be gaining in so many different injury sectors. It's, it's phenomenal, isn't it? It's, it's exciting. Um, Zach, coming back to you, so you were involved in a really interesting project on your second summer placement with Fraser Nash. Could you give me a bit more detail about that? I know you've, you've talked a bit about the experience you've got so far, but w- what's that that you, you experienced in your second one?
1: Okay, don't, <clears throat> so basically at the start of my summer placement, my line manager came to me with an idea that he thought was going to take one day, That I would come to a conclusion. It was basically the idea was: can we charge drones using uh, high voltage transmission lines? You could try and fly the drone right next to the line, and keep it charged indefinitely, and you could basically fly indefinitely. So he he wanted me to basically say no, it can't be done, (laughs) and just kill it. And within a day or two,
6: right?
1: So. I did do that. I went away. Um, I used MATLAB to model the magnetic field around about four hundred kV and two hundred seventy-five kV transmission lines. I then used my kind of university background to to work out the kind of power flows that we could expect to, to get from the magnetic field.
6: Mm-hmm.
1: And I did. I went back to him and said, "No, that this can't happen. You can't charge the drones through the power lines." Basically, for anyone interested, the frequency is far too low. You need a massive <laughs> coil on the drone. In the
5: list, then. It doesn't work.
1: <laughs> so but that wasn't the end of it. I then come back to him with another idea. I was like, well, we can't do that, but we could use a network of either wireless charging stations or battery swapping stations, which a, a drone lands on it and then it automatically changes the empty battery for a fresh one. Mm-hmm. So we could use a network of those along with artificial intelligence and autonomous drones to save transmission network owners lots of time, cost, and risk associated with inspecting their transmission lines. Mm -hmm. So transmission lines all across the country, they need periodically inspected because they get general wear and tear, corrosion, uh, obstructions, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So they need inspected. And the way that that currently happens is they go up and down the lines but they hire a helicopter and they go up and down and use cameras to inspect the lines. Of course that involves pilots flying really close to live lines which is really dangerous and the cost of hiring a helicopter in the first place is really expensive. So if we could use autonomous drones to do all of this stuff without uh, putting anyone in harm's way then we can save them a lot of money. So I I said this to my manager. And we started a, a private venture, which is I'll speak about uh, in a couple of minutes, to get a bit of budget together so that I could create a presentation displaying basically how the system could work and the benefits of the system. Um, I then went and after the presentation was created, I got in touch with one of the business managers at the company and he probed around some transmission network owners and companies who are doing these inspections on the power lines Mm
6: -hmm.
1: and I managed to get in touch with an asset inspection manager uh, with a a company that, that inspects national grids transmission lines I traveled down to Wales with him I met him I met the business manager in Warrington and then I traveled down to Wales and we presented my presentation to him and told him how we could save them a lot of time and money basically and he was really interested in it could really see the benefits of it but he didn't want to foot the bill to pay for it basically so we didn't end up winning any work from that but again that it was really interesting getting to to create this presentation and mm-hmm. present it to a client
5: yeah.
6: all on my own back and yeah, my in a placement
1: so it was really good.
5: That's fantastic and um, but yeah now we're going to come back to um to um, the kind of venture scheme so hold on that thought uh, zach i'm coming back to you dylan um, um i know you've only been there what just over a month Um, have you worked any projects yet anything that you're doing at the moment which is that you could tell us about which is exciting
3: uh yep yeah. so i mean obviously it's early days but uh, one of the nice things is that i've been put uh, straight onto projects straight onto work that um they kind of had lined up before i arrived if i'm honest which was kind of a very nice feeling to be sort of in demand. Um, Yeah, so the uh, quote-unquote specialty that I have is developing very, very, very rapid code. Um, So like one of the sort of initial basic things that they brought me on was to um, kind of optimize um, an old code base that they have. And um, that's nice because that's then been developed into um, being asked to sort of, take ownership of some of my own kind of programming and develop something for a client which in the first month is a a bit mental if I'm honest Um, so it's really quite sort of um, got it's gone very fast and it's a really gratifying feeling to sort of be put in given that kind of responsibility. Um, In terms of actual project work that I can a talk about and that b is interesting I don't have much um, but um, there's stuff that's, like, um, down the pipeline that I'm uh, excited to um, get started on soon.
5: Oh, that's good, because that was one of my thoughts, actually. I wonder if you did have a bit of a pipeline of projects coming up. So do you know what those projects are in the pipeline?
3: Um, for some of them, but um, sometimes it's a bit unpredictable just based on uh, when work comes in. Um, yeah. You know, you can't always predict uh, which bids you'll win whether you know what um customers you might run into Mm -hmm. i'm sure philip and i know way more about this than i do um but in terms of a general pipeline stuff there is there are some projects that you know are coming up or that might need resourcing or help that um you can plan for and that you have things to look forward to which is nice
5: that's good brilliant um So when we, 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 obviously we have all spoke before this webinar, but one of the things I think you mentioned initially that, you know, a bit of a a motto that you have at Fraser Nash is be the answer. And and I know it's super important to everyone at Fraser Nash. Um, Philippa, this has had a bit of an impact on your role. Um, Could you tell us a bit more about what I'm talking about and a bit about the be the answer motto?
2: Yeah, so Fraser Nash really empower us as consultants right down from the fresh graduates to Mm -hmm. um, be able to deal with customers ourselves and be able to help them and provide answers to their questions or point them in the direction of the person within the company that can um, provide the answers. It's really unique to Fraser Nash from talking to uh peers in other companies um that we're given that level of responsibility that you haven't got your hand held constantly by a manager sort of interfering with you doing that yeah um and yeah be the answer is you as a consultant be able to answer a customer's demands or questions or issues um yes okay you won't always be able to you you Mm. won't always have the knowledge or um understanding to be able to but that's where the two phone calls comes in that you're only ever you know who to ask to know who will know the answer to to meet the people that you need to um so yeah it's it is really unique how much Fraser and Ash empower their employees right down to people that have only been at the company for a short while um and it really does help you progress quickly taking on that level of responsibility
5: yeah That's great. That's good. Um, the, um, I suppose, you know, it's something which again is, is great for, you know, people listening now to hear that, you know, that's what life is like at Fraser isn't it? You know, it still goes back to something we mentioned right at the beginning, that kind of family feel two calls away and you've got the answer and, uh, you know, you've got people around you that can help you and are willing to help, which is great. um, Zach, I'm going to come back to you, if that's all right, just about the the, <laughs> the venture scheme. So if you can tell the audience a bit about this, I know we we're about to touch upon it, but yeah, if you could tell us a bit about that and why as an employee it's it's beneficial to get involved in.
1: So the private venture scheme, or PV as it's known in the company, mm-hmm. it's it really is quite um, rare to phrase on the ash, I think. So it's basically a small budget that you can apply for to do something that isn't directly just bidding for work or working on technical projects. It's, you can't just obviously apply for a budget to go and do your gardening for the day. It has to be something that, that benefits the company or uh, progresses your technical career. So for example, like writing a magazine article about a specific technical area. Um, there was a few more recent examples. Someone took some time off of work to look into using 4G enabled cameras on hard hats to to enable like sites, surveys to happen remotely.
6: Okay, so yeah. someone
1: looked into that and we might win some work out of that in the future. Yeah. Um, we might not. But um, again, the what I just spoke about creating that presentation about drones, I got a, a small budget to, to create that. And it's basically just something that it's not, you don't need to do it, no one no one needs to do a PV in the company, but it can really help you if you have something that you're really interested in that the company's not specifically focused on, then you can really add your two pence to the company kind of thing. Yeah.
5: And it benefits both parties, doesn't it? It benefits you as an individual because you're learning new skills, doing something you're passionate about. But then also, you know, it benefits the company because, like you say, you, you know, might win your future projects or, you know, you as an individual are going to improve on your presentation skills, this, that and the other, which, again, makes you a better employee. So it's all round win-win. Um, you also touched on external training courses which First and Ash is happy for you to attend. Um, do you have anything kind of planned in the future I'm guessing they'll probably will be virtual but have you got any kind of training courses in the pipeline
1: Zach uh, yeah so I've actually just yesterday submitted a, a training request form to go on a, a wiring regulations course It's an online, course where they give you all of the training material online and you can just study it at your own pace okay. and then once you've learned all of the materials you then just book a test and you go to a test centre. I'm not too sure how it's going to work with the new restrictions that have, that have been brought in but I'm assuming it will just be like a test centre where you're in a room yourself and it's mm. like a 60 question multiple choice test and once I've got that qualification I will be able to design electrical systems to the to the most recent wiring regulations and make sure that everything is safe and proper.
5: Good. (laughs) How about you? Have you got any training schedules booked in the pipeline?
3: Uh, I don't have any at the moment but that's because um, I'm currently looking at um, figuring out sort of what I want to get training in. Um, It's good to target it. I think, um, as Zach has said, Fraser Nash is very happy for you to go off and do it. Yeah. Um, for instance, if I wanted to go and get a certification in C-sharp or one of the languages that I'm learning at the moment, um, that will be supported. Uh, one of the nice things that my team are doing as well at the moment is we're having sort of lunchtime sessions where we will, um, what someone will bring a topic to the table that they're knowledgeable about and kind of share that knowledge
6: mm-hmm. amongst
3: the rest of us. And there's little informal training um, opportunities like that available as well that really just promote kind of knowledge sharing and um, things like that across the company.
5: That's good, brilliant, good stuff. Um, Philip, I'm gonna end it with you if that's okay. You, very excitedly, were nominated by Fraser Nash for the IT Female Engineer Awards in 2019. Um, how... <laughs> we didn't even stage that. We <laughs> both spent like that at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> um, how would it feel being nominated? Um, oh. Tell me what it was all about.
2: Yeah, really, really flattering. Um, I'd attended the award ceremony a couple of times mm-hmm. um, and just been really inspired by the evening, um, but the colleagues to approach me and say, oh, we think you should put in an application for these awards was, yeah, really flattering. I'm really encouraged um, for Fraser Nash to recognize what my efforts in sort of STEM outreach and promoting the women in engineering sort of field. Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah. Um, so what kind of work have you done across STEM? Which kind of make, any kind of projects that you've done? Did you have to go back into kind of give back to say young people? What what kind of projects have you done around that?
2: Yeah, so um it tends to be sort of outreach events where you go to schools or um sometimes universities or sometimes online mm-hmm. um and just talk about engineering in some form or other. Um mm-hmm. Sometimes it can be presentations, or it can be more interactive, or we've done um, like job date, like a dating, speed dating. um, Oh yeah, yeah. (laughs) I was thinking with It's really varied, Um, but my personal passion is about showing the diversity of careers that you can do within engineering um, to both young boys and young girls that whilst... There are the obvious sort of fluid dynamics, structural analysis, um, uh, design, engineers, like type of things that come map very easily to um, your modules at university. Mm-hmm. There are also sort of a lot of opportunities within engineering beyond those strictly theoretical roles as well within sort of more systems engineering. So. Mm-hmm looking at requirements or safety, or again, supportability where I started, technology management, and then also you can be a project manager within um, engineering as well. That's my passion about showing that it's more than just being the people wearing hard hats or high vis or steel toe cap boots. There's a lot of roles out there um, that aren't necessarily the traditional ones that you necessarily see. Mm -hmm.
5: Fantastic no I think that's absolutely brilliant you know personally even from in a Cracker's point of view you know it's great that you know you're going out there pushing that message to everyone and everyone so um, that's great brilliant well well done and Cal I'm going to hand back to you and so we can interrogate Ian next and find out everything we need to know from Ian so there you are.
0: Thank you very much Jess and thanks very much everybody for sharing your stories with us and Ian I want to start off with um by asking you about the progress people can make within Fraser Nash so I know we've got loads of different stories there from from Dylan who's a month in to Philippa who's six years in and but I know when um, a student progresses into you know like a senior consultant role at Fraser Nash there's then three kind of three different streams that you can go down isn't there? so there's business management group leader and principal consultant and so could you tell me the difference between those three um, you know those three streams that you can go into just so the students have got a bit of an idea that when they start as a graduate, what they can end up doing, um, you know, years down the line.
4: Yeah, definitely. Um, There's, it is split, as you say, into three kind of avenues that you can get to. So you work your way up from engineer, senior engineer, consultant, senior consultant. Once you get to that point, you've very much got kind of three routes you can take. The first one would be becoming a group leader. Um, and that's looking after a team of technical experts, um, helping them, and to deliver on projects and what deliver technical work um that route can also then lead up to kind of engineering managers so uh, looking after whole departments and looking after several teams and then kind of the business unit directors are above that so it's um quite a kind of detailed path um with regards to the business manager roles that's kind of more of your sales type role so if you, decide you don't want to be in management but you do want to kind of work with the teams you're more interested in the business development going out to speak to customers spotting opportunities developing those and bringing those kind of together with the technical team so you're kind of selling what the technical teams can deliver to our customers finding new customers and kind of exploring that avenue and again you can move into a business manager role from senior consultant and then you've got the opportunity to then to kind of develop a team of business managers and become a group business manager. So there's development routes throughout that way as well. If you wanted to go a completely technical route and weren't too interested in kind of the line management, we then have the kind of principal consultant route. So you become a real discipline expert in what you're doing. You're really focused on kind of the technical work and um, becoming kind of the best you can in that technical work and uh, developing your skills from that kind of role you'd be responsible kind of securing and delivering technical projects you're kind of um that expert matter that that people can turn to for for kind of for more technical knowledge
0: yeah thank you thank you ian and i think you know from anybody who's out there watching whether you want to be involved in you know the technical aspects people and managing people business development or you know being a discipline expert then all of these roles are available to you um, at Fraser Nash. But I'm not saying, you know, go in now and thinking, oh, in 10 years time, I want to be a discipline expert. You know, don't, don't pigeonhole yourself either. You know, go in with an open mind. And I think, Philippa, you can back me up on this. And um, Philippa went in with an open mind at Fraser Nash. She's, she's changed teams, she's changed departments, she's changed locations. So make sure you are open, flexible. Um, and if you are, obviously, Fraser Nash will, will back you up on, on all of those decisions. Um, and just to move on to the application process. So obviously, the application process, all the details that you need to know as listeners, is all on the Fraser Nash Hub on Gradcracker. And um, there is one part of the application process that I do want to touch upon, um, and that is the, the virtual presentation that you do ask students to give. Now I know in this virtual virtual world at the moment we are kind of getting used to it slightly. I am not, I hate technology, and um, but when Jess has spoken to students, you know she's been virtually on campus all week, and some of the students are coming back saying, "Oh, you know, what, what are these virtual presentations? You know, what what's expected of me?" Um, and they are some of them are quite apprehensive around this area. So, what advice, um, in particular, to Fraser Nash, Ian, would you give students who are go, you know m- might be going through this process in a couple of weeks' time with you?
4: Um, yeah, there's a few things that I probably cover here, and. It, it's really kind of preparing as if you were doing any kind of presentation so um i think the first thing is kind of as soon as you get that brief that you're going to be doing a presentation make sure that you read it that you understand it if you've got any questions around it get them asked early on so that then you can move on to kind of um the preparing for it make sure that you've got the software and applications that you need in order to deliver it as well but um I guess once you're comfortable that you're with what you're being asked to do um, the main thing is really just to make sure that you're prepared for it, research the company, research the area of the business that you're looking to apply to and ensure that you're kind of covering each section of that brief in the presentation. Um, I'd I'd say as well just make it as relevant as you can in t- for the role that you're actually looking to move into and the job that you're looking to, to secure with the company. Um, when it comes to actually delivering the presentation, at the end of the day, try and relax. I know it's a stressful kind of thing to do, but nobody wants to see you fail. Everyone wants to see you give the best example of yourself. So we're, we're not gonna try and trip you up. Nobody wants to see that. They just want to see you deliver the best presentation that you can so that we can make a decision on you showing your best work. So try and relax, try and enjoy it if you can. And um, don't think of it as being too scary.
0: What, what kind of, oh, see I'm putting you on the spot now, but <laughs> can, can we know what kind of presentations you ask a student to give? Is it um, a presentation about themselves or about a project that they'd like to cover or are you not allowed to say?
4: Um, it does depend on the role. It will generally be... Um, related to the position that you're applying for so I think uh, as you touched on we've we've got lots of adverts on grad cracker at the moment from kind of sustainability from an environment to um, systems to mechanical uh, to nuclear so it will be related to the kind of work that we're doing I think last year when we weren't in covid times and it wasn't virtual presentations it was um, based at an assessment center part of that was giving a presentation on the work that you'd done in your final year at university or, or projects that you'd that you'd carried out at university so um it's kind of it will depend on the role it will depend on the managers but you will get a full briefing beforehand um and uh yeah
0: <laughs> and that's all you say you need <laughs> that's all we can say <laughs> no thank you sorry for putting you on the spot there appreciate that's that all right. Um, so yeah, thank you very much, everybody. It's been really insightful, and really enjoyed you know listening to all your stories. I think just to end, the the, some, the thing that I like the most is um, being being able to work on a on a project from you know its inception all the way to the to the end to the conclusion to the result I think that's something that I, I find really attractive um, and I know the grads and um, Philippa and Nozaki have touched on it as well with your summer placements and Dylan it's you know your time is to come still and um, so thank you very much everybody for for joining us today. Um, we just another note just to reiterate so opportunities closing on the 31st of december get your applications in and um, make sure you reference the grad cracker and um, hub so phrase national on grad cracker when you're putting in your application make sure you say to ian and um, when you are applying that you've seen this webinar i know a lot of you students out there are, are emailing me and jess and saying oh am i allowed to say that you know watch the webinar I'm like yeah of course you are yeah this is what they want to know about you know ian's now a superstar he wants, to, he wants to be famous (laughs) Um, so yeah make sure you make sure you do all of those bits and pieces as always Um, the Fraser Dash webinar will be available tomorrow in full and on the on the hub so make sure you re-watch it and it will be broken up into segments and available on the career center early next week Jessica is having a well-deserved break next Thursday.
6: <laughs> everyone's thinking, thank God she's going. <laughs>
0: You're going to give me a heart attack, so thanks for that, no, Sorry, sorry, jo- everyone. And I'm joined by um, lovely Sophie. So Sophie's going to be joining me next week, 2 o'clock on Thursday, where we are joined by Experian. And um, So Experian, you'll all know the name, but I don't know if you know what they do, but they are the UK's most experienced credit score provider. Um, so again thank you very much everybody it's been lovely speaking to you all thank you everybody very much for tuning in and hopefully I will see you same time same place next week 2pm see you soon bye everyone bye guys bye 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 bye, bye.